Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Welcome to Menlo Midweek, everybody. I'm Mark. And I'm Jessica. And we have Cheryl with us again. Love it. Fun to be with you guys. What's your title today, Cheryl? You've been the queen of all things. Mm. You've been still standing. (laughs) That was a good one. You had a week off. You had a week off. I had a week off. So um, I will say today my title should just be moving into the week, feeling awesome. Okay. I love We're recording it. on Monday, yep. so yep. we'll yeah. see what happens today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who knows? But I, I, I have to admit, man, I crashed last night and I, oh, sl- sure. I slept for a lot of hours. It's been a long, nice, long week. Still standing, needed to uh, lay down and sleep for a bit. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I really might funny. have killed the alarm a couple times this morning, but that's okay. So, Cheryl, for a twenty-minute message, how much time do you think goes into making that? Okay, yeah, and and it typically it's more like thirty. Right. The first right, right. service, I will say, the second service got a little longer version by three <laughs> minutes. I think uh, it was. I think it was twenty-seven minutes. Not that I'm counting or looking at that clock that is blaring <laughs> at me in the back. Timer. The big red timer. Worship start right now. <laughs> the wor- the- Josh just comes on stage and like kicks yeah. you up. You're done. You're yeah. you're out. Um, you know, I would say for me. I think it takes more time to write sermons personally when you it's not your regular rhythm. Sure. Okay. So I I think if you're in a regular rhythm and you're preaching more often, uh, you know, ideally, just because everyone who preaches for the most part, unless they're, I guess, just a pure preaching pastor, you have other things to do in your job. So ideally, you're spending, you know, maybe 10, uh, 15 to 20 hours. Mm-hmm. I think because I'm a little neurotic and I can, I'm single. So, um, I, I think I probably put about 40 hours into a sermon just because, uh, but it's neurotic hours. It's not like (laughs) I can't, I've realized I can't sit down and go, I'm going to write a sermon today. Cause, and I've talked to a lot of other preachers or creatives around this kind of thing. Um, I have, you know, you can't go, I'm going to be creative for eight right, hours. Right. Now I can, and I do do this sometimes, the the exegetical work that I do, the reading of commentaries and all that, which is the first, typically the first eight hours for me is that kind of work, at least is reading, you know, doing my own personal study of the passage. I try to start with me before I crack open the script, the commentaries, because I'd rather feel mm-hmm. like I've kind of gotten into it devotionally and in my own just study of it. And I personally practice the inductive Bible study method, which I learned in college, you know, which I also was then brought to me in, in seminary, but I had already learned it in college, which was, you know, you make observations, you um, then you go to the interpretive stage, which would be to start looking more at some commentaries or resources mm-hmm. as you need them. Um, so that's that's about eight hours. And that to me is just, I mean, yeah, it's neurotic, it's writing, it's reading, it's highlighting, it's writing notes. And then um, I have to let it sit. Mm. And uh, 
if you guys saw the pages that I throw away every time I write a sermon that never even get used, mm. it's just stunning. I cleaned off my desk yesterday <laughs> after preaching because I'm done with this one, you know? Okay. And you're, I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I spend so much time on that? I didn't even talk about it, oh you know? Um, but it's part of the process. It's part of getting you there. Yeah. So then, then there's another probably neurotic hours of the writing part, which for me, why I say it's neurotic and it's not all, it's not work hour. A lot of it shows up on a walk. Like if mm. I'm working on sermons, I, I have to t carry my phone or, I, and I literally, this is dorky, but have, or I'm carrying like a little notepad mm. because probably most of the ideas I get or how it comes together is going to be, um, on that walk mm -hmm. or driving in my car mm -hmm. or getting ready in the morning. Do you have a waterproof thing in your shower? I, you know <laughs> what? I feel like that's where everyone's oh. ideas come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I will say this. I can't, many, many mornings, yeah, I'm out of the shower and I'm like pulling my phone or writing in. Yeah. I have post-its in my drawer with my makeup <laughs> nice. to give you an idea with <laughs> a pen. Yeah. Yeah, that because that is where it comes and I, I craft a sermon a lot um, verbally, even before mm. it gets on the page. So I am saying it out loud, or uh, if I, if you see me walking in my neighborhood uh, and I look like I'm talking on my like earbuds or something, I'm actually probably just <laughs> talking out loud into my earbud to record it on my phone notes. Oh thing which i often do the phone i just this morning i deleted seven notes off of my Gosh. phone that were for this sermon that i did last weekend wow. so it's neurotic and um everyone has their process sure. but uh it seems like when i talk to other pastors because you you know that's shop talk you know how do you prepare what do you do to <laughs> mm -hmm. write your sermon you know um yeah it seems like quite a few people i talk to have kind of the neurotic neurosis stuff where mm -hmm. You can only write for so long. Typically, what I've found is I can actually write and talk and work on the sermon for that stage for about three to four hours, and then I I have to go on a hike or do something. But I've written, I've done all this stuff. Then I go on that walk or I go run errands at Trader Joe's. Mm -hmm. I literally have mm -hmm. been standing by produce, you know, and writing <laughs> notes into my- This isn't my grocery list. <laughs> <laughs> so more Carrots, than you wanted to know. Apples, and then Jesus said, yeah. I think yeah. that's actually a yeah. really good question that we should ask to the, add to the yeah. list because yeah. next week we have, we have Adam mm. who has three kids under the age of eight. Totally. And then the week after that, we have Scott again, mm -hmm. who's yeah. got four kids. <laughs> All yeah. like from like ten to twenty one maybe, to... yeah. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to hear because you even specifically said being single, you have mm -hmm. more That's time. Mm -hmm. So I think that'd be really interesting to hear yeah. from other people. Yeah. Well, I know that Scott thing, yeah. and I have talked about, uh, you know, when you when we were having to preach on Tuesdays into the camera, oh, yeah, that it ruined the weekend before because you're neurotically right. working on it to get it ready for preaching on Tuesdays. Right. So. Preaching, not having to do that, kind of has saved your weekend before, but it's destroyed the weekend right of the weekend. Just <laughs> doubly bad. It's going to get, you're going to get destroyed one side or the other. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, to be fair to those guys who mm -hmm. uh, have kids, they're still, I, mean, I haven't talked to Adam as much about it, but yeah. I know Scott uh, was saying last week he was working on Friday and working on Saturday. Yeah, I'm sure. Because you're, you're, you're just, 
things come to you or mm -hmm. you realize. And then when you say it out loud, what I find is that so often, because how you speak is so different than how you write. And even if you are a writer, uh, it's still different, you mm -hmm. know? And um, so I find that when I start to say it out loud, that's a whole nother rewriting because it doesn't make sense or it doesn't land right. Yeah. Uh, Mark Swarner told me he, uh, when he's preached, he will go into the sanctuary at Menlo Park, oh, yeah. which he's the campus pastor of, so he has a key, mm. and he'll <laughs> preach in that room it, to pra to practice. Yeah. And and it, and it, I think this was what he was saying. Like you know, even in that space, he feels like even though it's an empty room, like it's not going to land. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not going to that that's not going to land here. Anyway, yeah, everyone it's, has their different. Well, yeah. So I was in a wedding. I was the maid of honor in my cousin's wedding this last weekend. Yeah. And I was writing my maid of honor speech on the plane on the way there because I'm a procrastinator. Mm. Uh, that was actually early for me, honestly. <laughs> well done. Um, and I, I was actually like surprised at how funny I thought it was because I, I think I'm a funny person, but it's more like working off with other people. Like yeah. I can't plan my mm. comedy usually, but I felt like I had some really good bits. But then when I gave it, yeah. it felt like it didn't really land. And I was talking to my parents afterwards and they were like, I think it was partly the audience of yeah. like the people that like live in a small town in Oregon or like maybe they don't live that in that small town, but it's a lot of, it was a lot of small town country folk. Yeah. And so they were like, who we love. Think, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh no, yeah, no shame or anything or judgment, but it is interesting. I'm yeah. like, if I did say it out loud. Yeah. It could have been better, and I could have thought through that of like, this is not going to land with these people. Yeah, I tell anyone who's asking about or young, when I've coached, mm -hmm. you know, younger uh, preachers or teachers, I oh, I say you have to say it out loud, and that seems like well, of course you would, but by the time you get to saying it out loud, there is a piece of you, and this is why you need some time. Um, that's so sick of the sermon by that point <laughs> that you just feel like, no, no, I've got, and you also, you've read it, you've written it, you've, you feel like you've already got it. So you think mm -hmm. I don't have to say it out loud, mm -hmm. yeah. but you, you have to say it out loud because to your point, um, it just, it just comes out different, um, you know, orally, um, verbally than it does on a page. Yeah. And it also helps me. I have completely reoriented um, a structure in a sermon, like the order of the points, for instance, yeah. mm -hmm. that seem like on paper, it looks all good because it's like writing a paper, right? right? But then verbally you realize, oh, I need to move point three to point one, point two to point four, you know, whatever. And yeah, that, that whole process is, is really important. And mm -hmm. to really... Um, you know, you have to hear, you just have to, yeah, you have to feel it. I don't know that, how to explain that. Um, and you have, every person who preaches or teaches has to find their voice. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's hard because initially when you're a young preacher or teacher, part of finding your voice is listening to people that you relate to, right? right. So you'll find, you know, you you can see I've listened to some people who've preached at like say Tim Keller's church, and they'll have a they'll have a similar style right. and they're but because they've listened to him mm -hmm. for a, a long time. Now they aren't him, and that, mm -hmm. that's where they have to be careful. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I was listening to somebody recently and I thought, oh my gosh, they've probably listened to 500 Andy Stanley sermons because their voice sounded like Andy Stanley. Yeah. They were not Andy Stanley, but they were, you know. So you, you are, you're finding your voice by listening to people uh, and listening to sermons um, and all that kind of thing. But, but even in that, you've got to then land in a place that feels most authentic to you. Mm-hmm. And um, I did have somebody come up to me after a sermon, I preached a sermon, and they did share with me that they didn't really like my style of preaching. Um, and, you know, and it, but they were then encouraging that they really enjoyed <laughs> that particular sermon. But I thought about it, as I walked hmm. away, um, the, the uh, insecure part of me Mm-hmm. wants to go, well, what didn't you like? And how could right. I get better? What are, you know, you always want to improve. But I realized as I walked away, I mean, I'm old. I've been doing this for a long time. And I always do want to be improving and growing. But I recognize um, I probably just have a style. That's why I think preaching teams are helpful to a church. Mm. Because um, you you do get to get different styles and voices. Yeah. Um and so I had to kind of, you know, shake it off and just be, you know, there's, I like certain styles too. And there's pe- preachers that some people love that I don't really love. That's okay. And not everyone's going to love my style. And, but I am me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I had to, I had to kind of, you know, walk down, walk, walk that out of my head and yeah. then, and just let it go. But we're really appreciative of all of the time that went into this last message and every message, but it just says a lot about how much, how seriously you take giving and, and teaching. And so for those that missed this last Sunday, what did those 40 hours chisel down into? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, this one, this one was a neurotic for sure. So we're still in our Colossians series. Yeah, we're still in Colossians. Mm -hmm. Basically where it went to, it's in this, it's in the passage where Colossians, uh, 124 to the end i was going to go into chapter uh to chapter two because really that pericope which is bible seminary language for the section of scripture that holds together and sometimes our chapter breaks don't help us in that so really 124 to two five kind of hold together Mm -hmm. and set it up um, but that was one of the things that got scrapped at the last minute. I sent my notes to Dave, mm-hmm. uh, our slide guy. Dave's the best. And um, I then I had to cut out. I cut out five verses because I just didn't have time uh, right. to, to hold it all together. But originally, uh, and Jessica knows this because the preaching calendar. Originally, the trajectory of the sermon was really going to be um, about helping people find and follow Jesus. Um, our our that mission statement, <laughs> yeah, our mission statement as a church, and that Paul, his becoming a servant to the church, and carries a message to the church. But this is why, like, we kind of lay out a series. Um, and in a perfect world, uh, the preaching team would go away and spend hours, like months ago, exegeting the passages and all that when they lay out that sermon series um, because that ec- when you start to then really exegete this, the, which is going into the commentaries, doing the Bible study and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's when you discover what it's really about. <laughs> and every, every 
Bible passage has authorial intent. The author intended something. Now, I might get it wrong, but there is a right, there's a right and a wrong. It's not just, well, you know, I felt like it should be this. No, just if you write your wife a letter, you meant something, right? How she interprets it then could be right or wrong. So when you do that Bible study work, you're trying to get to that. You're trying to find out. In At Menlo right now, we're, in a, we're not... We don't quite have the perfect world where we could have really exegeted the whole book before we actually even started to lay out the series, mm. which would be what I've done in my former life and would like to do more here. So originally in the preaching calendar, you know, the emphasis of that passage, I was thinking it would go more towards evangelism, helping people find Jesus, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even, now that I've studied it, I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> but that's such a different thing than suffering right so kind of kind well kind yeah of. yeah well yeah. the suffering is for the sake of the church which was clear but again yeah that's why bible study and the exegetical work is so important for anyone who preaches because uh you can just devotionally read a passage and then walk away with well what i like about this verse uh is this so i'll preach on that well you really want to be true to the text. So yeah, as I started doing the, the, the Bible study part, it just became really clear to me this, really what Paul is putting on display here is uh, his suffering for the sake of another. So that was where this sermon went, was that um, Paul and I think we as fellow followers of Jesus are invited uh, into a, a particular kind of suffering. Oftentimes in the church, when we talk about suffering, we talk about really the suffering that is hard to explain because we want to understand it. You know, if there's a good and loving God, why would he let there be disease or hurricanes? Or, you know, I just talked to someone yesterday at, at Menlo Church whose sister lost her, her house in a, Mm -hmm. in the, in the hurricane. Right. And so we want to know about that kind of suffering, mm-hmm. and which we, it's a good conversation, but this really isn't about that kind of suffering, which could also be a temptation. You could read it and think, I'll talk about suffering, springboard off the word of suffering and talk about, the, about crisis, disease, you know, things that have just the suffering of living in this world, right? Right. Uh, but doing the Bible study work, realizing, no, 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 that's a different kind of suffering. The suffering Paul's talking about is the suffering he chooses. Mm. So It's a great distinction. Yeah, 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 which I had to work myself to as well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyway, so the, yeah, that was the, the focus of the Yeah, of and the right in the beginning, you, you led with some scripture, and you said, hey, I'm going to set this aside for yeah. the podcast. We got a shout out, what kind we're doing of. Now. Yeah. yeah, which is cool. <laughs> This would be a great time to go into that. Yeah, yeah. So verse 24, Paul says, it's the very first verse of the passage that I was preaching, says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. And That that, was chapter one. Chapter one, yes, verse 24. And yeah, and... um. And that it's the confusing piece is I fill up in my flesh mm-hmm. what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. And so, gosh, there are <laughs> books and commentaries and blaga blagas 
all over about this particular passage because um, it could read as if Paul is saying that that Christ's death isn't sufficient for our salvation, that there's something missing, and Paul had to make up for that. So what I did, and I would still continue to point people to our resources on our webpage, uh, menlo.church slash Colossians, we recommend some commentaries. I think we recommend three commentaries mm-hmm. there uh, on the book of Colossians, and um, Scott McKnight's commentary, which is the thicker, longer commentary, he spends a lot of time on this passage, and he um, kind of breaks down some of the different theories. He really only spends time, though, on the theories that he feels like are somewhat credible, because literally there's probably 25 theories around or more around this. Uh, so is something lacking? Is Paul saying that? Um, I think Scott McKnight and where he goes with it is he lands on this idea that Paul is, let's see, his language is. Um, I love when Cheryl comes on the podcast because she comes so prepared. She's got notes and a Bible, like a real Bible. <laughs> to be fair, Not Scott had phone. like a pamphlet last week. Okay. Scott brought it. We should do show and tell somehow. <laughs> yes. That'd be really fun. Okay, Close sorry, pictures. Cheryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, so Scott McKnight, yeah, because I my brain doesn't retain all this stuff. I have to go back and look at it. But, but um, he talks about this from, he calls it the missional Christiformity theory. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And and really what he's saying is that he f- that he feels like what Paul is suggesting is that to be formed into the image of Christ is to share in the sufferings of Christ and that is a part of what it is to be a follower of Jesus and that he's not really saying that anything is lacking uh in Christ's afflictions. The word afflictions which NT Wright points out, I don't know if Scott McKnight points it out. But um, N.T. Wright points out that that word afflictions that Paul uses, is, has, he doesn't use it anywhere else in regard, to, it's never used in regard to the cross. So it's, it's not as if he's saying lacking into what Christ accomplished on the cross. But I think N.T. Wright, I, he's more succinct in his longer commentary, we recommend two of his commentaries, um, in his little bit longer commentary, he makes the point, which I'm a big N.T. Wright fan. I don't know necessarily, I'm still wrestling with some of his thinking on justification, but um, I'm a big, big fan of his. I think he is probably the premier New Testament scholar mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. today in our age. And so he points out, and because he's a historian and a scholar to... Um, again, New Testament history, he he points out that we need to understand Paul's Jewish understanding as he writes this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what's difficult for us, this is why uh, understanding culture and context mm-hmm. are so important to Bible study, but um, he points out, one, two things. He points out that the what he calls corporate Christology, which big words for um, Paul's world and the Jewish world knew nothing of our Western individualism. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not that mm-hmm. it knew nothing of individualism. It's not that we have, we don't 
bifurcate that. Like you're either an individualist or you're a corporate. It's just that those were together, that who you were individually was impacted by your community your, and, and who you are as a community is impacted by who you are individually. And we tend to put those in categories or we just live in the, everything in the spiritual realm is for us a little bit more in the individualism. Who are you? And, and he even points out, you know, that Paul says here that he, he points out that he, that he says for the sake of Jesus's body, which is the church, that Paul is conjoining who Jesus is with this community called the church, that, that the church is a reflection of the body of Christ, the physicality, the person of Jesus. Does that make sense? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. so that's his first. He makes that point, and then he talks about, and, this, and McKnight talks about this too, but the concept of messianic woes. Okay. Correct. So this is getting deep into <laughs> Jewish teachings and theology. You see it come up in the book of Isaiah a little bit, the suffering servant idea. Mm. Um, and he he points people in it to Romans chapter eight. But basically what he brings forth is that the, the way, and I'm just kind of reading this somewhat, my notes from his commentary, so you guys could read this from your the commentary and not even have to listen to me. But, <laughs> um, but the way that the Jewish community understood the ages and it, and how Paul and Jesus would understand the ages is that there were two ages. There's the present age that is evil, and there is the age to come. Right, and so the age to come is the coming of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And there are woes in coming. There's, there's the suffering. There's the mm. tribulation. But how Paul, because of the resurrection and, and who Jesus revealed himself as Messiah, came to understand, and, and even in Jew, Jewish thinking, but we tend to think of it like back to back. There's the age, the evil age, you know, there's the present age that ha- it has evil in it. And then there will be the age to come, and it will have perfection, no more evil. And so on December 1st is the present age, and December 2nd Mm. is now the age to come. Okay. Okay. But Paul and Jesus would see this, Paul sees this, these ages as overlapping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we live in the overlapping. Yep. Right? Mm. And so what what theologians would call inaugurated eschatology. Okay, big word. Uh, <laughs> I hope everyone has their dictionary I know. right now. <laughs> so eschatology is the study of things to come, the end times. Mm-hmm. And that Jesus, when he came and he said, the kingdom is here, it's, it's like the inauguration of there's kind of like we have the lame duck period and then there's the uh, inauguration and then that person enters fully into um, being the president of the Mm -hmm. United States, right? So Jesus came and the kingdom is here. Mm -hmm. He is the Messiah. The king has arrived. 
but the actual fullness of that will come about at his return. Right. So it's like yep. when the president of the United States actually moves into the White House, right? I don't know. How to, I don't know that I'm breaking sure. down the analogy somewhat, but anyway. So yeah. So Paul is seeing this age as mm-hmm. um, we're in the present age. There is evil, mm-hmm. but we're also in this present age experiencing some of the age to come in that Christ has brought his kingdom Mm -hmm. and then he will bring it in his fullness. And in that overlapping time, part of who it is to belong to Christ, union with Christ, which is huge in the New Testament. I talked about that last time I preached, the in Christ, the with Christ Mm -hmm. life. And I talked about it a little bit this week too, is it's to be conformed, and this is the Christoformity that Scott McKnight talks about, is we're being conformed to the image of Christ. It's why Paul says, um, you know, in Philippians chapter 3, I want to share in his sufferings. He says um, in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. There isn't this, there's this overlapping of his life in the the life of Christ. It's why Paul can say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, Paul does not accomplish our salvation by being crucified with Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Christ Mm -hmm. accomplishes our salvation. Right. But by coming into relationship with Christ, he identifies himself into that death. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus who says, if you want to follow me, Mm -hmm. you will take up a cross. And to us, that seems so, oh, yeah, da, da, da. But imagine in that time and culture to have this rabbi messiah speaking of a form of execution for a criminal that was common that you saw because crucifixions were very public they were on the streets you know Mm -hmm. and that it would be like hangings that we had in our horrible horrible piece of our history right that people would be hung um, in public, and for Jesus to say, "You're gonna, you are gonna take up a cross if you follow me." Mm, I don't like that. No, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I mean, when you think of it again in the time for, yeah. uh, for us, we put put crosses on our neck and we go, "Oh, that's beautiful." And you know, no, no, no. That yeah. that calling, that invitation was um, was really horrific mm-hmm. uh, you know um again a few, some other verses that i think you hear paul using this language of of identification of suffering that is a joining in the mission of jesus that in this overlapping season to be the church w- will be suffering mm-hmm. not just maybe but again more of what we talked about this last weekend, a choosing of suffering to be a reflection of the way of Jesus in his upside down kingdom. Mm -hmm. Romans 8 says this, um, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. 
if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. And we cut off that last part a lot, right? Mm -hmm. If indeed we share in his sufferings. Yeah, we don't want to hear that part. In order that we may also share in his glory. And basically what Paul's saying, a child of God, a child of Jesus, a co-heir with Christ, you'll share, the co-heir of Christ will share in his inheritance, but will also share in his life, Yeah, which includes a suffering, right? Mm -hmm. So there's so many... Um, you know, 1 Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of, of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Mm. So then de death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So there's this idea of Paul that I'll absorb some suffering for the sake of the church. I'll, uh, I'll join in the suffering of death. This mm. might not be a very good example, but it came to me. I think it's kind of like, um, it's the power of the gospel that shows up in suffering so much more profoundly than it shows up sometimes in victory. Mm -hmm. And we want victory, but mm -hmm. again, like at the end of a, a Super Bowl, when the quarterback, you know, thanks God for the win, mm -hmm. right? And we love that. And, and, yeah. I, and I think that's right. Thank God for all things, right? Rejoice in all things. But it's interesting to me that I think when, when a quarterback at the end of the football game declare, you know, and I just and I want to thank God for this win, and again they should, um, it, the church gets excited because we love when our God is is mm -hmm. thanked mm -hmm. and honored, and again rightly mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if outside the church how much they, you know, if they even hear it. But I'll tell you when people outside the church hears something it's when the person who is dying when their co-worker mm -hmm. is a, you know knows that i'm a, i'm they've they're suffering through cancer or chemotherapy or um they're suffering through uh some decisions that they're making they're choosing less um Maybe anyway, they're 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 in a place, and they say, you know what? In this place, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I'm meeting Jesus in ways I've never met him before. Mm -hmm. Now I want to know about that Jesus. Yeah, yeah. When, um, who was the great hymn writer? She was blind. She wrote um so many uh, of our early early uh -huh. hymns, and she was asked if she could, you know, people would pray for her healing to not be blind. And she said, I don't want, I don't want you to, I don't want you to pray that for mm -hmm. me. I, I feel like God gave me this blindness uh, for, because it's caused me to see him mm -hmm. in deeper ways. And I look forward to the first person I actually will see. Oh no, <laughs> now Dang. I'm going to cry. <laughs> is Jesus. That's beautiful. Right? Crazy. 
So now I want to know her. Yeah. I want to know her story. And I might be intrigued by who her God is. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, think that's what, I think that's what Paul is yeah. talking about a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Cheryl, thank you. That was a lot. <laughs> you were gone. I love that. Well, I'm, so, yeah. I'm sorry that we No, no. I think so that really helped explain yeah. a lot more about just all of what we're, the point we're trying, you were trying to make on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do want to ask you one more thing about your message. Okay. Um, you said you, you, you had a great distinction that love suffers for, it doesn't suffer under. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. I felt mm-hmm. like I needed to say it. Um, and it's not a perfect way of saying it. Even as I was saying it, I was like, oh, but gosh. With what you just said, too, with how yeah. Paul was explaining that, mm-hmm. there is a hint of what you were trying to say in that. Mm-hmm. I think what I wanted to make sure was communicated is that there are people in the church that sometimes, uh, and unfortunately, I will say this, typically women, um, but not always, can be men, too, for sure. I think there can be a thing in the church that says, if I'm godly, if I'm a good Christian, then I just put up with abuse. Yeah. I just put up with this thing, right? Mm-hmm. I just put up with that kind of talk. I just put up with that. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just, you know, didn't have enough time to unpack it, but... Um, yeah, I just, Cal, if there was anyone in that room who is suffering under abuse, anger, manipulation, and, and men do, are under this too. There's, mm-hmm. you know, all the things, whether it's at work, whether it's with a spouse, whether it's with your children, uh, whether it's with your parents, whatever it is, suffering under something that is evil. Um, that does not come from the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's not what I'm talking about. That's not yeah. what Paul's talking about. And I just really wanted that to be clear because, again, I think there are people in the church who who think, well, I just have to put up with this because in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. and and all that. And mm-hmm. don't uh, what I would want to say to somebody if they are under that or they're living in that. Uh, whether it's at work or in a marriage or in a family dynamic, um, it doesn't mean you have to just cut it off. I don't know because I—that's where—that's why discipleship should happen across the table, not just from a pulpit. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, because I—I I would need to know their story, but I sure hope my encouragement would be to use your voice. Um, to find a good therapist if that's what you need, to find somebody safe at your office, HR person or whatever who can help you navigate it. But um, please don't, in the name of Jesus, mm. just keep absorbing something that is not on, not of the heart of God, and would not He would not want you to be, yeah, living under that kind of abuse, whether it's sexual, physical, mm-hmm. emotional, um, verbal. Uh, those kind of things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I really appreciate you making that distinction. And I remember even a couple, like a month or two ago and Scotty Scruggs came mm-hmm. and preached and he did a similar thing mm-hmm. of like, th- let me make it clear that this is not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and if you need help, go to uh, menlo.church slash care. We have some awesome resources, mm-hmm. yep. whatever that might look like. Um, there's definitely ways you can just Google Mm-hmm. And find out how to how to get help, and Mark will give you the number. You can pray for us. Wait, I'm gonna see if I know it. Six five zero six hundred oh four oh 
too? Yes, I remembered finally. It'll be in the show notes as well. Yeah, if you need prayer, we are here for you. You can also, if you don't, it's still texting, but if you want to submit, we can, you can go to menlo.church slash prayer. There's also a form there that you can submit, and we would love to come alongside you. Mm-hmm. And you know, even if it's you know somebody, or if it's you, we want to be here for you and connect with you in that way. Yep. Absolutely. Cheryl, thank you so much. I never thought that I would be so intrigued about knowing why and how I should suffer better. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Never have I wanted to know how or well, why. <laughs> one, I know we're going long or whatever, but I, yeah, I just think, you know, part of the journey with Jesus is a choosing to suffer with and in and and part of to mm-hmm. be a Christian is to be in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that relationship, which I spoke of in the sermon, but requires interactive conversation and believing that God can and does speak to us through the scripture, uh, through wise and godly counsel, um, through uh, you know our prayer life, um, and if if God is always saying what you're wanting Him to say to you, then that's just a that's just a something to be aware of because then maybe you're not really hearing God. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so and you might you just need some people. I've I've just have had people in my life who still t- you know help me. Help me learn how to pray. Help me to hear Jesus. Help me when I say, you know, I think the Lord is saying blank to me, or I think, and I have, I'm so thankful I have friends who are just like straight up. I don't, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I I just don't don't know. I don't, don't, I'm, let's, let's sit on that for a bit. You know, I'm not, uh, can I pray with you about that? Could we listen together? Could we come back to that? Um, because maybe is maybe isn't, but I want to be here. And that that's where life groups and groups are so important to us to mm-hmm. have those people in our life who can go. Mm, I'm not quite sure, you know. And so. a little plug to come back in January because we have a whole series called Hearing God, Hearing God, hey. Hearing God. So or, if you're curious yeah, about that, God. yeah, January eighth we start that. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that series. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks so much, Cheryl. Okay, thank you. Enjoy your next Bye. two weeks off, kind of. More than that. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Enjoy. Woo-hoo. Talk to you in a few weeks. Bye. Okay. Well, thanks so much for listening. And our hope is that this helps you connect deeper to Menlo Church throughout the week. We believe church doesn't just happen on Sundays. And this is just one of the ways you can connect with us and grow in your faith whenever and wherever you're listening. We'd love to come alongside you in prayer to encourage you or walk through anything that you're going through. All you have to do is text our online team at 650-600-0402. Thanks again for tuning in. This was Menlo Midweek.